Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC, with offices in the Midwest. Stangy Law Firm is a family law firm. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. We have a great topic today. The topic is titled Appealing a Family Court Judgment, and this is based on an article on our blog, FamilyLawHeadquarters.com, dated June 10th, 2020. And the title of that article is, Does It Make Sense to Appeal? So as a follow-up to the episode today, go on over to FamilyLawHeadquarters.com and check out, check out the article for more details about this topic. But here's the topic in a nutshell. Look, most parties want to settle their divorce or family law matter. Most individuals, when they contemplate it, they don't want to go to trial. They don't want to put their life, the life of their family, uh, in the hands of a family court judge. Uh, this is risky. Uh, this can cost a lot of money. It can take a lot of time, and, and really it can cause a lot of hard feelings as well. Going into a courtroom and having to try a divorce, a custody, a child support, a paternity case, you name it, uh, this can be emotional. It can be gut-wrenching. It can be hard on all parties. Um, and at the end of the day, it's very risky because, again, in most of these cases, one family court judge is going to make the decision in terms of what's going to happen in the case. And so most parties – when they think about this, they, you know, they want to settle. You know, they'd like to reach some kind of amicable settlement. The trouble for a lot of parties is this, which is it's just hard to come to an agreement on all issues in a divorce or family law matter. In some cases, parties can agree on a lot of it, maybe 70, 80, 90% of it. Uh, but there could be disagreement on even one or two issues, and that could result in these cases going to trial. And, and trials could be difficult. Again, parties have to come into court and testify. Uh, evidence is presented. Uh, sometimes third-party witnesses come in. Uh, expert witnesses might uh, be needed in the case to come in and testify. So, again, the stakes in these cases, in a lot of ways, uh, just couldn't be higher. For parties, um, this is gut-wrenching. And, and really, families have to live uh, with the results of these cases. And, and the impact of that can be really long-lasting. I mean, really, it can affect parties for years and in some ways really dramatically affect uh, how people's lives are going to work, okay? And so this is very stressful, uh, very gut-wrenching, very tough for a lot of individuals. And then, you know, after a trial, the family court judge is going to issue a judgment or order. And and with judgment and orders, I mean, the reality is, is look, some parties um, like the results of the case. Uh, they might see that judgment and order and think all things considered, uh, the judgment is pretty good. Maybe some Folks are ecstatic with it. They think the results of the case are fantastic. But for some individuals, look, they're unhappy. Uh, they don't like the way the case turned out. Uh, there could be a component of it that, that really they don't like, or it could just be the whole thing. They just don't like the result. They don't think it was fair. Uh, they don't think that uh, the impact that this is going to have on them and their family is just and so they're upset, and lots of individuals in these circumstances then go to their lawyer, and they, and they want to know, you know, what their options are. You know, what can they do? And, and this is where we segue into the topic of, of an appeal. You know, uh, at the end of the day, you know, laws vary by jurisdiction. You know, requirements for appeals uh, can vary based on the facts of the case, the type of the case, you know, the evidence that was put on, and then really what's what we call a standard of review on appeal uh, that can vary by jurisdiction, and again, it can vary based on the facts, can vary based on the type of case, and so we're speaking here very generally. So for anybody listening to this episode, definitely critical that you speak to a lawyer 
who's licensed and competent to practice law in your jurisdiction. Uh, you want to speak with somebody who has uh, reviewed the transcript, seen the evidence that was presented uh, in court, and, and they have all the information, and they can give you the best possible advice in terms of, in terms of what to do. Okay, but, but for a lot of parties, they want to know, can I appeal? Uh, how does an appeal work? Um, and, and, and really, what, what does an appellate court look at? And so that's the topic we want to sort of shift here uh, today. And again, I have to preface this by saying, speak to a lawyer uh, who's licensed and competent to practice law in your jurisdiction, because this is going to work uh, a little bit differently. But one of the uh, uh, analogies or metaphors, if you will, I've used for years uh, in terms of trying to explain how an appeal works to a client is this, which is think instant replay in terms of a sports context, right? So uh, you're watching, you name your favorite sport. Um, you know, we all have different favorite sports. Uh, more and more professional sports leagues have instant replay uh, where, right, it's filmed, the footage is slowed down, and, and really what <clears throat> is being looked at is this, which is did the referees on the field, did they get the call right? Or when slowing down the play, looking at it in slow motion, uh, did they get the call wrong? And, and, and this isn't exact, but this is a good way uh, in terms of looking at appeals because lots of parties, what they think is they think they get to replay the whole down or they think they're going to get to put new evidence on, uh, submit evidence to the, to the appellate court that wasn't part of the trial and they get to sort of retry their case, if you will. And that is not the way appeals ordinarily work in the context of divorce or family law matters. What appellate courts do is this. They look at the transcript of the hearing. So in other words, they get a typewritten transcript of the hearing itself, uh, typically from a court reporter um, who types the transcript, and literally it has line and page numbers on it, and the appellate court is actually able to read the transcript of the trial. And again, what they're looking at is, you know, what did folks testify to a trial? Um, you know, what evidence was presented? Uh, so, so courts are looking at that transcript, and then, then what they ordinarily get is what's called a legal file. And the legal file uh, has the actual evidence that was submitted in the divorce or family law matter. So it could be a litany of things from parties' financial statements to their tax returns, could be evidence relating to child custody. It could be expenses relating to daycare. It could be appraisals in terms of a home or a business or you name it. But the appellate court gets this transcript. They also then get to review all the evidence uh, that the trial court admitted at trial, and they review all of this. And really the standard in general sense is this, which is, again, look at the laws in your specific jurisdiction, but in a very, very general sense to try to give you a simple explanation in layman's terms of, in terms of how this works. Um, what the appellate court has to do is decide, uh, did the trial court either abuse their discretion uh, or did they err as a matter of law? And so look, there's statutes, there's case law uh, that the courts have to look at uh, and, and abide by in terms of hearing these family court cases, uh, in terms of deciding these family court cases. And so the question is, did the judge apply the law as written, as interpreted by appellate decisions, or did the trial court do something different? Did they not abide by the law? Uh, did they apply the incorrect standard? Let's say they incorrectly computed child support or something like that, if you will. And, and so that ultimately uh, is one of the big questions there. And then when you get into the idea of abuse of discretion, 
you know, lots of folks don't know what that means and what that means exactly. But take custody as an example. You know, a, a trial court judge has to decide custody cases by looking at the best interest of the children, okay? And they have to look at factors in terms of trying to weigh, you know, what's in the best interest of the children. And so the question is, is did the trial court, did they uh, look at that evidence? Did they hear that evidence? And did they use their discretion in terms of applying the law to the facts in an appropriate manner, okay? And this is where trial court judges really have a great deal of discretion in terms of what they do, right? A judge has the ability to uh, look at the witnesses, uh, hear them testify, and then decide, you know, whether they're credible, whether they're believable, and whether they're convincing and persuasive. And, and generally, appellate courts aren't going to substitute their judgment uh, for the trial court's judgment. Uh, the trial court judge was there. Uh, they heard the evidence. They made the decision. And this is very much, again, to take you back to this sort of sports metaphor, uh, which is, look, in a lot of these instant replay scenarios, unless the, the, the video evidence is uncontroverted, right, most of the time, if it's sort of ambiguous, if it's hard to see in terms of what exactly happened, then normally uh, the, the call on the field stands. Uh, that's typically how appeals work as well. So judges have a great deal of discretion in terms of what decision to make at trial. And what the appellate court is typically looking at is, again, did the, the trial court judge abuse their discretion or did they apply the law wrong? Okay, so in hearing this and contemplating this, I think any party who's considering appealing has to know uh, that, that generally it's an uphill battle. You know, generally it's tough. Uh, in most circumstances, unless there's something clear in terms of the law being misapplied or the judge having some bias uh, and really just not applying uh, the law to facts at trial, you know, most uh, appellate courts are going to affirm the trial court's decision. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Again, you know, sometimes appeals do work. Uh, sometimes there is clear error, and that clear error can result in a trial court judgment being reversed. But again, in a general sense, this can be very difficult. It can be very hard. And so for any party who's going to consider appealing, obviously they have to weigh this and they have to think about it. You know, on the other hand, if they don't appeal and they don't try, and if they don't like the results of the case itself, then they're stuck with it. So for some parties, you know, they know it's going to be difficult. It's going to be time consuming. It's going to cost them some money, but they're, they're willing to appeal it anyway you know, knowing that it's going to be risky or knowing that it's going to be difficult. So that that's, in essence, the process. And so, you know, whether a party should appeal or not appeal, again, that's going to be fact-specific. Uh, that's a decision an individual needs to make uh, when sitting down with a lawyer. Uh, but, but one sort of final note, which is this, which is uh, appeal deadlines are typically pretty strict. And so uh, uh, the deadlines can vary by jurisdiction. But, but for most parties, if you want to appeal, you need to speak with an attorney immediately, like right away. Uh, because if you miss a deadline to appeal uh, in most jurisdictions, uh, that can be tough. You know, most parties don't get uh, uh, get to file their notice of appeal late. You can try, but most instances you don't want to be in the position of trying to get extra time. You want to get that appeal uh, in on time. Uh, that way there's no questions. Uh, one other option for lots of parties in these circumstances is this, is sometimes they can file a, a post-trial motion uh, for the judge to reconsider or amend the judgment. And sometimes this can give a party more time uh, to decide whether or not they want to appeal, for example. So in Missouri, where I predominantly practice, 
a judgment becomes final after 30 days, and then there's a 10-day period after afterwards where a party uh, can file their notice of appeal. If a party files a, a post-trial motion to amend or reconsider, uh, that motion doesn't have to be heard for 90 days. Uh, and then after the denial of that motion, if in fact it's denied, then there's that 10-day period. So long story short, parties can sometimes buy themselves some more time in order to make a decision or to consult a lawyer. Regardless of all of that, it is really vital for parties if they're upset with the family court judgment and they're considering appealing to get with an attorney, get with an attorney immediately uh, to make sure uh, the proper decision can be made uh, in the case. Okay, so that is the episode here today. As a follow-up, again, go on over to familylawheadquarters.com, check out the article titled, uh, Does It Make Sense to Appeal Dated June 10th, 2020? Thanks for tuning in and stay tuned to our next episode coming up on Family Law Talk. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stange. Visit StangeLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stange Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtain on this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be legal advice. You should contact an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. And finally, past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stange is responsible for the content. Principal Place of Business, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450, Clayton, Missouri, 63105.